glad to have each and every one of you here this morning. Thankful to our Heavenly Father who has touched us. Each and every one of us woke us up from our sleep. And we are here to assemble and worship and give him the praise that he deserves. We appreciate our visitors that are here. Appreciate those who are members who have come back to visit with us. We appreciate the presence of each and every one of you. Definitely appreciate the church family being here. Been a good song service so far, and I hope that uh, the message this morning will be edifying and encouraging to each one of you. On the 31st of December, we delivered a message entitled, The Wiles of the Devil. And that message was based on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. And in that message, we implored our church family to not fall for the tricks and deceptions of Satan. And this morning's message is actually a continuation of that message. For we will discuss the armor of God. The armor that God has given to us so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the last message, we spoke on this being a spiritual war or a spiritual fight that we are in. This isn't a physical fight that can be fought in a way that perhaps we're used to. Where we can see our flesh and blood enemy and the fighting is physical with punching and kicking, kicking and wrestling. But no, this is a spiritual fight against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is a dangerous and it is a difficult fight. But we aren't left to rely on our own power to win this fight. Ephesians 6 and 10 tells us to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Yes, we rely on God's might and not our own in this spiritual fight. In addition to that, God has equipped us with spiritual armor to help us in this fight. So let us look to the text and read about this spiritual armor. We're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13, 17 through 18. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand, to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The text says that God has provided us with armor. Armor that enables us to withstand or resist in the evil day. And the evil day is any day that the enemy appears. The writer then goes on to describe these pieces of armor. He speaks of our loins girded about with truth. He speaks of a breastplate of righteousness. He speaks of our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He speaks of a shield of faith. He speaks of a helmet of salvation. And finally, the sword of the spirit. So as Paul describes this armor, we are reminded that he lived during a time as he describes armor and gear of a soldier in the days of the Roman Empire, what he would have been equipped with. He wrote this letter when he was in Rome. We learned from history that he was in prison at the time, so likely he saw the physical armor 
of a Roman soldier, and he related it to the spiritual protections that God has provided. However, I imagine if Paul wrote this letter during our day and saw the equipment of a modern-day soldier, he would probably speak of the soldier's bulletproof vest to stop the penetration of a gunshot, a satellite radio for tactical communications, perhaps night vision goggles to see in low-light conditions, perhaps GPS for navigation and accurate positioning, and relate all of that equipment to spiritual things. But in his letter, Paul looks at specific pieces of the Roman soldier's armor, and he relates that to what God has provided his people to stand against the wiles of the devil to fight this spiritual war. This spiritual war, this spiritual armor is just as effective today as it was in the days of Paul. We aren't left vulnerable on this battlefield. We have all we need to stand against Satan. So let us take some time to look at each piece of armor that God has provided for us. The first thing Paul mentions is having our loins girt about with truth. We face a couple of words here that aren't common words in our vocabulary today. So it is necessary to take just a moment to better understand them. The word girt is a verb, and it is a past tense form of the word gird, G-I-R-D. Definitions that we find for this word is to put on, to fasten around, or to get ready. So let's just look at the use of these words in a few verses to help understand it. In John 21 and 7. It says, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and he did and did cast himself into the sea. So before jumping into the sea, Peter was naked. He girt or he put on his fisher's coat and jumped into the water. Looking at Jeremiah chapter 1, verse, verse 17, we read of God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. And it says, Thou, therefore, gird up thy loins, and arise, and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound, them, confound thee before them. The word loins here refers to the portion of your body around the waist and hips. In those days, it was considered the center of your strength. In this context, girding your loins was a sign of being ready, being alert, being prepared for action. So in this verse, God is saying to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. Get up and go speak to them everything that I have commanded you. Now, relating this back to spiritual armor, the Roman soldier wore a type of belt around his body that was the foundation for his armor. It held in place his sword and his clothing. And we see this mentioned in 1 Samuel 17 and 39 when the text says that David girded his sword or put on his sword upon his armor as he was heading into battle against Goliath. So when it comes to spiritual armor, I believe that Paul is saying we need to put on truth or to get ourselves ready or to be alert with truth. Yes, the armor we are instructed to put on before going into spiritual battle with Satan is truth. We put on truth as opposed to falsehood or accepting falsehood. So what is this truth that we are putting on each day? In John 17 and 17, the text says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. Galatians 3 and 1 says, O foolish Galatians, 
Who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And later in Galatians 5 and 7, Paul says, Who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? This helps us to understand the truth, the word of God, and that it includes commands of God that must be obeyed or followed. In 1 Timothy 2 and 4, Paul writes that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. In 1 John 1 and 6, John writes, If we say that we have fellowship with him, referring to God the Father, and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. So the truth is something that we should know. The truth is something that we should understand. The truth is something that we should obey and do. The truth guides how we live. It guides how we conduct our lives. We should be living a life that reflects the truth. But with that being said, how can we arm ourselves with, or how can we put on, or how can we gird the truth about us? And if you don't know the truth, how can you gird yourself with it in the first place? This should point us to the importance of the study of God's word. We must study the truth, God's word. We must understand and know the truth. We must be devoted to the study of God's word. Here at La Prada, the elders oversee the teaching of the truth in our assemblies. The teaching should help us to grow in our understanding of the truth. However, for this piece of armor to be effective in our lives, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, and Wednesday evenings cannot be the only time that your Bible or your Bible app gets opened. Those should not be the only times that you are reading and studying the truth. The psalmist said in the 105th verse of the 119th Psalm, Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Imagine walking along a path in complete darkness. Imagine you're on a camping trip deep in the woods at night and you're trying to walk down a path. It's almost impossible. And that is us walking in this world. But when we have a flashlight, it illuminates our way so that we know where we are going. That is what God's word is to us, a light to our path guiding us in this life. It is impossible to stand against the wiles of the devil without a knowledge of the truth. You might as well prepare yourself for defeat at the hands of Satan if you don't know and understand God's word. If you don't understand the basic principles of our faith, then it's time for us to perhaps cut off the TV or the computer or put down the phone or the tablet or whatever is consuming our time and keeping us out of God's word. We need to get into his word and immerse our minds in it so we can properly use this piece of armor to discern what is false and live by what is true. The reason being, there is so much falsehood in the world today. The world says love is love, which is a euphemism for LGBTQ relationships, normalizing and embracing them, and that romantic love between any two individuals is just fine. But God's word says that kind of lifestyle is unrighteous. And those that are in it should not inherit the kingdom of God. The world says that there are many paths to God. But God's word says that no one comes to the Father except through Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. The world says, or it even says, that there is no God. 
But the Bible calls that person a fool. Don't be deceived by the lies of the world. When we don't know the truth, we will fall for the lies of the world, lies just like this and many others. And we will wind up looking just like the world and we will find ourselves in sin standing against God. That is why the truth is such an important part of our spiritual armor. Now let us consider the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate is a piece of armor that is worn to cover and protect the chest and the heart and all the vital organs in this region of the body. So what is righteousness? It is defined as the quality of being upright, a holy in character and deeds. The first time we see this word righteousness used in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. When God spoke to Abraham, telling him of his plans to make his descendants numerous like the stars in the sky. The text says, and he, referring to Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. God counted Abraham as righteous because of his faith. So righteousness is a state that we can be in with God because of faith and obedience. We see this illustrated in the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. In verse 1, Moses is restating the law for the generation of people that are going in to possess the promised land. Deuteronomy 6 and 1 says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. And he goes on to enumerate throughout the rest of this chapter commands that they must live by. And the chapter concludes in verse 25 saying, And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he had commanded us. Here we see that righteousness is a good standing before God that is obtained by obeying his commands. Righteousness is a way that we follow, a way that we pursue or live. As it says in Proverbs 15 and 9, the way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord. But he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. We become righteous by doing the will of God. Consider Luke 1 and 6, which tells of Zacharias and Elizabeth, who would be the parents of John the Baptist. The text says, and they were both righteous before God, walking into the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Let us consider Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, which says, but fornication... And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient or appropriate, but rather giving of thanks. There are some obvious unrighteous things that should not be in our lives. Because they are displeasing to God. There are things that we should not allow into our minds, into our hearts, because they only serve to defile us. This includes inappropriate music, inappropriate TV, things we even read, activities that we participate in, and so on. There are just some things that a child of God has no business participating in. So relating this back to spiritual armor, our actions, our conduct, our words, even our thoughts, we bring ourselves under subjection, and we live in a way that is pleasing to God. And that way that we live is by his commands and his word. And, we, and when we live by the high standard of God's commands and his word, it helps us to avoid being deceived by Satan and defiling ourselves in sin. Yes, just as the physical breastplate 
protects. Righteous living protects us from the attacks of the enemy. For we know we are in the will of God when we live in that way. Verse 15 speaks of our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shod is the imperfect and past participle of the word shoot. The word shod simply means to put on a covering for the foot. So the text is saying that we put on our feet the preparation or readiness of the gospel of peace. Have you ever gone hiking? As a congregation we used to attend many years ago, Melissa and I went on a camping or hiking trip to Palo Duro Canyon up near Amarillo. So as I was out uh, purchasing gear that was recommended for the trip, uh, hiking boots was one of the suggested purchases. And I'm not really a hiker, so I wasn't ready to spend money on hiking boots just for one trip. I was tempted to be cheap, but I decided, okay, I'll go ahead and spend the money. I decided to buy some hiking boots just in case. And I'll tell you, after completing the trip, I was so glad that I purchased those hiking boots because I was about to show up in some regular old running shoes ready to hike this canyon. And I'll tell you, without the proper footwear, that hike would have been extremely difficult. Now, I'll say I'm calling it a hike, but it was really more like mountain climbing. We were going over peaks and crevices and going down and holding on and getting all fours, climbing through certain areas. There's a reason they call that place the Baby Grand Canyon. If you haven't been, I certainly, certainly recommend it. But I tell you, the right footwear really makes a difference when you're climbing up and down those crevices and cracks and peaks of the canyon. Well, the footwear of the Roman soldier gave him the traction that he needed to maneuver in service and warfare and battle and fighting, as well as protect his feet from harm. The text speaks of our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel. It is speaking of a readiness with the gospel, a state of being ready and prepared with the gospel, which is the power of God of salvation for everyone who believes. 1 Peter 3 and 15 encourages this readiness, as it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Satan has deceived many in this world. And they will be in hell for eternity if they aren't reached with the gospel before it is too late. There are many who are not at peace with God. The scripture says in Romans 1.18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Being prepared with the gospel of peace, we can defeat the wiles of Satan. And we can share the good news with the lost so that men don't have to suffer the just punishment for their sins. We can't be slothful. We can't be lazy in this respect because lives are literally at stake. We have the message of salvation. We have the message that can save souls. Romans 10 and 15 says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of feet. This is a reminder of the responsibility that we have to proclaim the gospel of peace to all. To that person who is lost in sin, the feet of this messenger with the gospel of peace are truly beautiful feet. Therefore, may we always be ready, be prepared, be alert to go into the world to reach the lost with the good news of salvation, with the gospel of peace, having our feet shod. The next piece of spiritual armor for our consideration is the shield of faith. 
The text says, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In this spiritual war, we are under attack from the evil and wicked. Their weapons are fiery darts, but with this shield, we can quench, we can extinguish, we can neutralize those fiery darts. For the Roman soldier, their shield was made of wood and iron or bronze, and it was used to deflect projectiles and withstand the attack. The spiritual shield that we have is our faith, and it protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked. So let us consider what faith is for a moment. Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the assurance and confidence of what we hope for and firm conviction of what we do not see. The Hebrew writer goes on to say that the elders who lived in times past, they obtained a good report, or they were approved or commended because of their faith. At verse 4 and on through the end of the chapter, the writer enumerates a number of those elders whose faith was recognized by God. And they were held up as an example for us. People like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and many others through time. The writer says in verse 3, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In other words, through faith we know that God created the world from nothing. And then in verse 6, the writer explains the importance of faith in the economy of God as he says, Without faith it isn't even possible to be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Whoever comes to God must believe that he is and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So faith is trusting in God. Well, how can it be a shield? How does it quench and extinguish those fiery darts coming from the wicked, coming from our enemy? Let's consider a few verses that give us insight. In the 8th chapter of Matthew, we read of Jesus entering into a ship with his disciples. And the Bible tells of a great storm that rose up such that the ship was covered by waves. Now I'd venture to say that this was unnerving with the passengers on the ship. Because even the men who made their living on the seas, they were afraid. They were afraid for their lives. Yet the Bible says the Messiah was asleep in the ship. So they woke him up saying, Lord, Master, save us. We perish. And he said to them, why are ye faithful, O ye of little faith? Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? The Greek word used in the place of fearful is cowardly. In other words, he asked them, why are you acting like cowards? He then arose. He rebuked the winds and the sea and a great calm followed. The words of the Messiah to them implied if they had possessed a greater faith, it would not have been fearful in such a situation. In this account, the disciples exhibited little faith, and they were fearful. And I believe, that, I believe that we can take from this biblical account the fear that exists in our lives is perhaps when our faith isn't strong. Let us consider the account of Matthew 14 when Jesus walked on the sea. The disciples were afraid as they were in the ship, and they saw him walking on the sea out towards them in the middle of the night. In the darkness, they were afraid, but Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Peter then spoke up, saying, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. 
Peter stepped out of the ship and he walked toward Jesus on the water. On water. However, the Bible says a strong and mighty wind blew and it stirred the waves and it made Peter afraid. The Bible records that Peter then began to sink into the water. And Jesus said to him in verse 31, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Doubt is contrary to the definition of faith that we read earlier. Fear is also contrary to the definition of faith that we read earlier. Continuing on, let us consider the last Passover meal that Jesus ate with his disciples. And we find that recorded in Luke 22. As Jesus spoke to the disciples, he singled out Peter. And he said, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Fear can replace faith. Doubt can replace faith. And as we see here, our faith can even fail. But Jesus prayed that the faith of Peter wouldn't fail. I think these few passages give us an understanding of the importance of faith. Romans 10 and 17 tells us that faith comes from hearing the word of God. We can gain faith and we can even build up our faith through the study of God's word. As we encounter trials in life, we will face trials that will discourage us. We will face trials that cause us to doubt. We will face trials that will cause us to worry, even to fear. We will face trials that will distract us from our true purpose in this life. In 1 Peter 1, Peter writes, Just as gold is tried with fire in order to purify it, the trials we face, they try our faith, and that serves to remove the impurities of our faith. A tried, a tested, and a purified faith is worthy of praise because it is proven to be true. Faith in God is that shield that protects us from the fiery darts of the wicked because we have faith and trust in God. That's why that shield is so important. The helmet of salvation is the next piece of armor for our consideration. The helmet serves to protect the head and the neck from physical harm. In a spiritual sense, the salvation that we enjoy is protection from God's wrath against sin. Our salvation reminds us that we are saved from something. And that something is the punishment of sin. Romans 6 and 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wage or the payment that we earn because of our sin or breaking God's law is death. However, Ephesians 2 and 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Because of God's grace towards us, we have salvation through faith. Salvation is a gift of God, made available because of what his son did on the cross. Yes, a great price was paid on the cross when God sent his sinless son to suffer and pay the price for the sins of all mankind. Hebrews 9, 28 says, Christ the Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many unto them that look for him and saved and obedient. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? In obedience to the word of God, we have put on Christ in baptism. And his blood covers us all. The Messiah is our sin offering. In Christ, we are justified. 
God sees the blood of his son on us, and we are counted as righteous. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In return, there is something that we offer. As Romans 12, Romans 12 says, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our, which is our reasonable service. We are no longer conformed to this world or following after the ways of the world. We live in a different way. We shun evil ways that are opposed to the will of God, and we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Because of God's grace, this great gift of salvation that we enjoy, we choose to live in a way that is pleasing to him. As Titus 2, 11 and 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. We deny the ungodliness in our lives. We turn away from the worldly lust. We live soberly, righteously, and godly. And we do this faithfully until our death. The promise of salvation protects us, and it encourages us to stand in this fight against Satan. Moving on to the sword of the Spirit. This is the final piece of spiritual armor that Paul speaks on in the text. The sword was a vital piece of armor for the Roman soldier. As you consider all the other pieces of armor, it is the one piece that is primarily an offensive weapon and was used for attacking. Paul says the sword that we have in our arsenal is the word of God. Look at the Hebrews 4 and 12. The text says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The text says that God's word is living. That's what the word quick means. His word is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. A two-edged sword cuts both ways, going in and coming out. And God's word is even sharper than that. His word penetrates, going beyond the skin, beyond the joints and the bones, all the way down to the soul and the spirit of man. His word pierces all the way down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's word penetrates the heart of man such that nothing is hidden from him. So how are we supposed to use something that is so powerful? Jesus the Messiah is our example. We spoke on this passage last time, so we will cover it in an abbreviated fashion this time. In Matthew 4, the Bible says, The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for a specific reason. And the Bible reveals that that reason is him going to be tempted by the devil. The text then says that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. In Matthew 4, uh, I guess the text goes on to tell of Satan coming to Jesus with three different temptations. First, he asked the Messiah to turn stones to bread, knowing that Jesus was hungry from his fast. Next, he told the Messiah to throw himself down from a high point on the temple because the angels would surely preserve his life. And lastly, Satan offered to Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of man if Jesus would fall down and worship Satan. In each of these temptations, Jesus didn't argue with Satan. He didn't fight with them or try to prove them wrong. He used the living and powerful word of God to refute each of the temptations of Satan. He used scripture to defeat the lies and deceit and trickery of Satan. The 11th verse of the 119th Psalm says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
That is essentially what Jesus did. The word of God is a guide that we might not sin. As we encounter the wiles and the schemes of Satan, may we be rooted enough in God's word, able to recall it and use it effectively in the same manner as Jesus did and not sin. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Paul writes the scripture is beneficial. It is profitable for doctrine, for teaching of God's will, for reproof, for refuting error, for correction or correcting faults and restoring and for instruction in righteousness, teaching us how to live a righteous life. The word of God is able to do all of that. Therefore, we greatly benefit when we devote ourselves to studying it and understanding it so that we may properly and effectively use this spiritual armor when the enemy attacks. As we have spoken on the spiritual armor of God, I hope that I have impressed upon you how important it is for your life. As a look at each piece of armor, it all points us back to God's word. We must be fully devoted to studying it, understanding it, and living by it. May the truth of scripture resonate with you this morning as you recognize that we are in a spiritual war and Satan is everywhere, seeking to attack, and we need to be on the alert and ready for those attacks. Because without this spiritual armor, you are unprepared to stand your ground. Without this spiritual armor, you will be defeated in the spiritual war with Satan. So put on the spiritual armor that God has given. So when the evil day comes, you will be able to stand. And when the battle is over, you will be left standing. The armor we have is truth. It is the righteousness of God. It is the gospel of peace. It is our faith in God. It is the salvation of our souls, and it is God's word. That is the armor that God has given us to stand against the wiles of the devil. But the thing is, you need to get comfortable. You need to get proficient with this spiritual armor. I'm reminded of David. As a young shepherd, when he volunteered to battle with Goliath, King Saul took off his own armor, the kingly armor, and he gave it to David, the shepherd boy so that he would be fully equipped to go out to this fight against Saul. So David had the king, king's armor on, but he refused to go into battle with it because it had not been proven. He had never fought with it. He didn't trust it. He wasn't comfortable with it. So instead, he went into battle with Goliath with a staff, five smooth stones, and a sling. All the spiritual armor that we have, that we've talked about today, is based on God's word. We are fully equipped with this armor when we put it on. However, we must build our faith and grow and gain experience from his word so that we are comfortable with this spiritual armor, recognizing all that it can do for us and using it effectively. As I mentioned before, the opportunities to study the Bible are available to us three times a week here at La Prada, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, and Wednesday evenings. Take advantage of those times. Take advantage of those times, but don't stop there. Make time at home for daily study so you can be proficient with the spiritual armor that God has made available to us and not be susceptible to the wiles and schemes of Satan. That is all I've prepared to say on this subject. 
I hope that you have benefited by being here this morning. I hope that I have provoked something or encouraged you in some way. This message was obviously targeted to those who are already in the body of Christ, telling you of the armor that is available to you. Hopefully this was a reminder to the armor that God has given as encouraged you to be more proficient with it. If you desire the prayers of the church and are seeking help to be more proficient, help is available. And I encourage you to reach out, whether by coming forward or reaching out to one of the elders after this message. I encourage you. If there are any in the audience, in the audience who are not in Christ yet, I have to tell you that you aren't even in the spiritual war yet. Yes, you're out on the battlefield, but you don't have any armor that we discussed today. You have no hope for success or victory outside of Christ. I encourage you to fix that today. And you can do that this morning. We have many here that are ready to study with you to help you understand all that God requires of you. But you must take that first step. Come down to the front when we start singing the invitation song and express your desire to do that. We encourage you to do that. We want to help you. The time to reach out for help is now. And finally, if there is anyone that has any requests of the church, you too can make your request known by coming to the front and singing the invitation song that has been selected. Okay. Okay. Well, you don't have to worry anymore. There are other people who are, who are trying to 